Hey, welcome to Sunday Messages. We pray this message inspires and encourages you to go deeper in an overflowing relationship with Jesus. I want to ask you a question. What are you longing for this Christmas? What are you looking for? Maybe you're looking for that nicely wrapped new toy under the tree tomorrow. And uh, the toy you've been hinting, you know, maybe it's a big boy toy, you know, something you've been looking for, your wife, you know, to buy it for you, or permission to buy it for yourself, or your child, you're looking for that, that new Lego set or Nerf. I remember those days of buying Nerf and Lego, it was amazing, I loved it, I think I loved it more than my kids did. Or maybe you're looking for uh, a new tool, something to add to your, your word shop, or your, your tool chest, or maybe you're looking for the ticket for a new trip, you know, you're like, hey, I just want to get out of here, you know, take me to someone warm, really warm, not this like mid-season warm, but like real warm, you know, bring me somewhere there. Maybe you're looking for that, that nice present under the tree, and that's beautiful. I hope you get what you are looking for, but maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm looking for something actually a little more personal than that. Actually, this year, my prayer is actually that I would have a restored relationship with maybe one of my family members that's been broken. And inside of you, you're yearning for hope and peace and what seems so broken, in your home and in your family. Or maybe even another step further, you're hearing something, listen, this Christmas, I need a miracle. This Christmas, I've been praying, I need healing in my body. I need healing in my situation. It, it's beyond any natural resolve. I need a miracle in my life and in my home. Do you know this longing for something better, this, this longing for something more is not new to us and it's not new to the, the situation that we find ourselves in our political landscape or in our economic landscape, but this longing for something better, this longing for something more is part of the human experience that is back right from the very beginning of time. And about 700 years before the birth of Jesus that we've been singing about and talking about, the nation of Israel was scattered and it was splintered off. And it was, it was dominated and displaced. And they were feeling this longing for hope and this longing for resolve, this longing for something better. And into this environment of being displaced and shattered and broken, there was a prophet, a man of God named Isaiah, who rose up and spoke up and spoke into a prophetic promise that one day it will all be okay. And he said this common phrase, which we've read it again today already, but I'm going to read it for you. It's Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What's, he, what's Isaiah saying? Isaiah is saying, listen, his name is going to be so amazing. His, 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 this person is going to be so fantastic and so awesome that one name will not be able to describe him. One name will not be able to contain him. This man, this Messiah that we are looking for, this God became flesh, is going to be so much more than just one name. And Jesus, this one name is not just, this is not just a, a fantasy that he's not speaking into hyperbole or fantasy. This is not some poetic rhetoric that just looks nice on the front of a Christmas card. But Jesus had every intention to fulfill all that he set out to fulfill. You see, the names of this promised Messiah, they brought hope and they brought resolve to a people who were longing for both. And if you're struggling here today, I want you to know that if you're here and you say, I, I am just needing direction. 
I need direction as we come into a new season, a new year. I need to know what am I called to do. Do you know that he is your wonderful counselor, that he is all-knowing? That he, does, he doesn't just know what you should do, but he knows who you are. And he knows why you should do what you are. He knows what's best for you. He's close to you to know what you need and what's best for you. Maybe you're here today and you need a miracle. You need someone to show up or God to show up in your situation. Do you know that we serve one? He calls himself, I'm a mighty God. I am, I'm all powerful. I'm all powerful. Not only is he able to, but he's willingly presents himself available to hear us. He is willingly in your corner. Some of us have a situation that is beyond our natural ability to resolve. We need a mighty God. We need a mighty God to come into our situation. Or maybe you're here and you are, you are overwhelmed and you need comfort. You just need someone to comfort you, to stand beside you. Do you know that he is your everlasting father? The Bible tells us that he's all present, that he never leaves you or forsakes you, never turns his back on you. Or maybe you're here and you're feeling, man, I'm overwhelmed. Like, honestly, if you just listen to the news too long or you, you, flow, you, you, know, you scroll through Facebook too long and you hear all the news and all the things that are happening all around the world, the things that we probably were never meant to know and carry because we just cannot know and carry all that hardship, and we're feeling overwhelmed. I don't know if you feel it like that. We sometimes, I kind of put it down. I can't feel We have a God who's the prince of peace. You know that the prince of peace, peace is in the absence of hard things, but it's the presence of God in all things. It's in all things, the presence of of God, and you can experience the presence of God. He is the substance and He is the source of what we are yearning and we are longing for in this broken world. And maybe you're here like me, like, hey, that all sounds awesome. Sign me up, wrap it up, put it under my tree this year. I want a little bit of that. I need a little bit of that in my life. And the question we have to ask ourselves is well, how do we then receive that? If this is available to us, if, if there's a promise that He's going to come and be all these things, how do you and I? receive that this year? And I believe the answer is actually in the text. We read it, but sometimes we just miss it. We skip over it. So let's read that again and see if we can define the answer real quick. It says, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and here it is, the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, verse 7, and of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. So what's Isaiah saying here? Isaiah is saying, listen, there's a condition to this promise in the sense of how we receive it, in the sense that, listen, many of us love the idea of, uh, of Jesus as a friend. We love the idea of Jesus as our Savior. That's beautiful. But few of us, if we're going to be honest, again, I'm not pointing out hands. I can't see you anyway, so listen, I'm not pointing, out your, I'm not pointing him out. But listen, some of, many of us in this room don't really love Jesus as governor or king. We want to receive the benefits of what he has, but we're not so sure we're willing to surrender our life to that. We love to, thought, we love to, to have fellowship with Jesus, but we're not so sure we want to follow in everything he's asked us to walk. We love the benefits, but we're unwilling to surrender to the leadership and to the lordship, to the government and his authority. And here's the big idea I want you to hear tonight. Again, we're not going to speak long, but I want you to hear this tonight. If you don't know me, and I don't know you, but here's the word of God, and I've been praying about tonight, and here's what I need you to hear is, listen, that you will never get all of God until you give him all of you. You will never, I will never get all that God has for me until I give him all of me. We've been talking about as a church of this idea, what does it look like to go all in? 
And this call to be all in, not just turning Christ and, and our relationship with Jesus into this casual Sunday attendance, but being all in committed. If I want to receive all that God has for me, then I need to give him all of me in return. We see this all throughout Scripture, but Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me, and here's the condition, when you seek me with all your heart. There's a condition, you will find me, you will seek me, but the condition, you have to do it when you seek me with all of your heart. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not Jesus is Savior, Jesus is friend, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is my homeboy, none of that stuff, but if you actually declare that he is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you'll be receiving, you have the ability to receive him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. But here is the conflict, or here is the challenge that even I, many of us, wrestle with and struggle through, is that we want everything from God, or we even expect things from God, without giving everything to God. Some of us, we, we make these kind of prayers of, of you know, God, if you, if you answer my prayer, then I'll, then I'll go to church every day, or then I'll, then I'll start reading my Bible. We have these kind of agreements we make with God in order to, to get what we want from God. We, we try to kind of come up with some kind of arrangement, but that's not what God wants. God says, just give me all your life. Give me your heart, and I'll give you everything that you need according to your riches, my riches and glory. So here's my prayer for you today. My prayer this Christmas is that you will actually receive everything that God has for you. I don't know if that's what, I mean, I want that. I, I want everything that God, if there's something that God wants to give me, I want my, my life to be in a posture to receive everything he has for me. And I really want that prayer for you too. So in just a couple minutes, we're going to light our candle. We're going to sing Silent Night. But before we do, I just want to tell you a quick story. Matthew's gospel is the first gospel of the New Testament. And each one of the gospels tells the story of Jesus through their personal account, through eyewitnesses' account. And Matthew's gospel focuses on the story of Christmas, but he does it in a different way. He, it's actually a really short uh, identification of the story, and he really focuses on three men or three gifts, or we call them three men. We don't know if there's three men, but there's three gifts from the wise men or the magi. And he focuses on this, and the reason that Matthew focuses on this, because all of Matthew's writing through the gospel of Matthew is really a defense of seeing Jesus in the line, of, he's the king, in the line of David. And so a lot of what he's doing is pointing to Jesus as the rightful king through the line of David. And he introduces us to these, these, these men that were contemplatively known as king makers. And they come into the story about a year and a half or a year later. I don't want to pop your bubble, but if you think that the wise men showed up in the stable, they were not in the stable. You know, I want to pop that bubble for you. Uh, they showed up about a year and a half later uh, as they made the trip from Persia. See, these wise men were so far from God. Like, they were far from God. They were far from God Geograph geographically. Like, we're in Jerusalem and Bethlehem, and they're in Persia. Like, they're, they're, they're a year's way of just walking. Remember, there's no plane, there's no train, there's no automobile. There's a camel or horseback at best. They're often walking on their feet, and they're having to make their way across the tundra to get to Jesus. We also know that they were super far away spiritually. These, these were from Persia. These, these men were from Persia. They were known as kind of like pagan priests. They were, they were studying the stars and astrology. They, they studied and practiced magic is where we get the name magi. And so these guys and men and were so far away from God. But it's interesting how yet God includes them into the biblical story. And I think there's many reasons for that. One, I think it's just like, listen, nobody's too far away. I love that invitation. Listen, you think you're too far away? No, no, no. You're never too, away, too far away from God. There's always room 
for you in the presence of God. But I think the other thing it shows us is that the biblical account shows us a story because it shows us a pattern of how these people continued, how they chose, how these men chose to go all in. And I think this is a pattern that we see all throughout Scripture, that if you and I choose to go all in with God, to actually not just make him our friend, make him our homeboy, but actually make him Lord of our life, it shows us a pattern of what this actually looks like. So we pick up the story in Matthew's Gospel 2, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Then they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Interesting note is we don't hear a whole lot about stars moving. You know, stars are fixed. They're in a place. That's where, they, that's where they stand. That's why they look the same every time. And here we have what we can say is the first time in human history that we know that a star actually moved. It's not a shooting star, but a star that was intentionally moving and guiding and directing. And God could have used anything to capture their attention, but it's interesting that he used a star. He used a star to capture the attention of astrologers who studied the skies and studied the scar, the stars. And here's what I want you to know from the very beginning, and whether you're here and this is a, a, you're part of, you're a follower of Jesus and, and you've been growing your relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're just discovering Jesus, or maybe you're just here and you have no idea about it, but here's what I want you to know is that God will make, create star-like moments to capture my attention. I've experienced this in my own life, that God creates these star-like moments to capture my attention, that God is trying to draw you closer to him. Do you know that God's pursuit is you? That you are God's pursuit, that everything he's doing is trying to pursue you and to back into relationship with him. He wants to be in relationship with you and you with him. That you are God's greatest pursuit, but before God can capture your heart, he actually needs to capture your attention. And so God will create these star-like moments that are very unique to you, that are unique to your situation and the season of life that you're in to capture your attention. And so we see that happen with the wise men. Secondly, we see, we pick up their story, that when the king Herod, who's the king of that region, heard that he was, uh, heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with them. Here's why King Herod was, was disturbed, because he was threatened. He, he was like, I'm the king. There's not supposed to be another king. So he has this whole conversation with the wise men. He said, listen, you go find out where this, this new king is. Let me go so we can go worship him. But what he really wants to do is go eliminate the threat and kill this little child. And we see later on that he does issue a decree to kill every newborn child two years and younger in order to eliminate the threat. So he is disturbed. And here's what we need to understand when we read this story. Is that there will always be something or someone trying to stop me from giving my all to Jesus. Do you know there's always something or someone? And maybe of us, have, you know, we can testify to that. There's all, I mean, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision to go all in. God captured my attention. But then this happened. You know, then this situation came up, and then this happened, and, and then I wasn't able to, and then there's always something or someone trying to stop us from going all in. And what the wise men here demonstrate is their pursuit nonetheless, that they chose to pursue God even still. They chose to get up the next day and travel and follow the star. See, there will always be a reason not to go all in. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll find one. If you're looking for a reason why church cannot be a priority or relationship with God cannot be a priority, or, or there's, if you're looking for an reason, you'll find it. You don't have to look very hard. In fact, you have to look harder to stay on point, to, to live that disciplined, focused, pursuit life. You see, sometimes I've learned out that even those who love us best hold us back the most. 
Sometimes those in our corner, we're, we're afraid to let them down or disappoint them or overshadow them. And so even those that we love best hold us back sometimes the most. And so we have to pursue. This is, this is why it's such a personal relationship with Jesus. But here's the promise and here's the hope is that there will always be a star to draw you, but there will always be a hair to stop you. It's full of life. Many of us experience there's always a star that's drawing and capturing my attention, but there's always a Herod-like experience that's trying to stop me from pursuing Jesus. So we got to lean in. We keep on the story. It says, once coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened up their treasures and they presented their gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. So two things they did as they approached this house where the child was. They bowed in worship, they surrendered, and they gave. They, they surrendered their life. Remember, can you imagine bowing to a child, bowing to an infant? But they bowed recognizing who he was. This wasn't just another child, but this was the promised Messiah. They bowed and they gave. And you and I will never find God without anything less than a full surrender. We cannot go casually with God. You don't just, he's not just a casual experience. He's, it's all or nothing. He demands all or nothing. And here's the reality. The reality is that there will be a moment where I'll bow down and make Jesus king, acknowledge Jesus as king. There will be a moment where I will bend my knee and acknowledge Jesus as king. And this is my greatest prayer. My greatest prayer for you at some point in the next even day, couple few days, that there will be a moment where you recognize Jesus as king. And as the wise men entered that house and as they bowed down and worshiped him, that you would have that same type of experience that you would bow down and worship him. Here, can I just give you a little encouragement, maybe a little challenge, maybe a call to action as a pastor? Is that Philippians actually tells us that one day, one day, that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every knee. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will happen. What is this saying? Listen, this is saying we can either humble ourselves or we will be humiliated. Hear me tonight. I'm not trying to be heavy. I know it's Christmas. We want to keep it light. But my, I love you too deep and I love you too much not to tell you the truth. There's going to come a day where we either humble ourselves before God and acknowledge him as king or it's going to be too late and we're going to be humiliated as we acknowledge that he is king. And I'm, I pray that this year, like the wise men, you will humble yourself and you'll acknowledge that he is, he's not just a friend, he's not just a savior, but he's the authority of my life. He's the king of my life. Whether we humble ourselves or humble, and then what happens, he says in Matthew 2, 12, it says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to the country another route. See what happens when we follow the star? What happens when we push through the, the resistance, what happens when we bend the knee is that something in our heart actually changes. And I know what happens. I know the scripture is saying they actually went a different route. But I have to believe they went a different route because something inside of them changed. They were not the same people that entered the house as they when they left the house. So they actually, something was different in their life. And I'm here to tell you that when you give your heart to Jesus, he will change everything. We've been saying that as a church, it's a mantra that we believe in. It's not just a, cool, a, a nice thing to say, but we truly believe that Jesus has the power to change everything. 
He has the power to transform your life and transform your perspective. I'm not saying he's going to take away all your pain, but he's going to help you see it in a new light for his glory because he is ultimately in control. And when we bow down to him, he, we will rise different. We will want to do and act and live and go and speak and serve different because of the gospel that has been that's been made true into our heart. And so here's my question for you today. I wonder what your life would look like is if this Christmas, 2023, you decided to go all in. I wonder how your life would look like if you said, listen, there's no such thing as halfway living. I'm going all in in my pursuit. I'm not just treating Jesus as, king, as Savior or Lord, but I'm treating him as king of my life. I am confident. I'm confident. It will be better. It will be better. So here today, maybe you're here and you need direction. Can I remind you that Jesus is your wonderful counselor? If you're here and you need a miracle today in your life, in your situation, I'm here to tell you that he is your mighty God. He is the power. If you're here and you need comfort today, I'm here to tell you that he is your everlasting father. And if you're overwhelmed, he's your prince of peace. He's your prince of peace. We're going to get ready to light the candles here in just a minute. Before we do, can I just ask you to just close your eyes and bow your heads? I just want to create a little bit of a moment between you and God. As I was praying about today and preparing for this, our conversation, I was just thinking there's these four questions I want to just ask, and I really want you to be able to answer these questions in honesty to yourself, because you're not, this is between you and God, so you don't want to lie to yourself. Just be honest with God. But I want to ask you these four questions, and as I do, I really want you to allow yourself to sit on them for a second and allow the Spirit of God to be true to your heart. And the first question is this, is, what is God using to capture your attention? What is God using in your life to, to capture your attention? What situation has come up that's unique to you, that's unique to your life that you saw, you say, hey, maybe, God, maybe God's trying to capture my attention. Here's my second question. What's stopping you or holding you back from fully following him? Again, I'm not just talking about acknowledging him. We, you can believe in him. You can know about him. You can believe in him. But I'm talking about truly trusting him. Like, what's holding you back from truly trusting Jesus as the king of your life? And here's my third question. Is that tonight, may this be, will this be the night, will you acknowledge Jesus as Lord? Maybe for you this is a re-acknowledgement of something, you've, a commitment you've already made. Or maybe you're coming back from time away. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever even considered this. But will you actually acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life? And the fourth question is, will you actually allow him to transform your life? Through surrender and trusting in his authority, will you actually allow him to transform your life from the inside out? Here, can I just tell you, is that the greatest gift that you could ever receive this year, this year, is Jesus. But the greatest gift you could ever give to Jesus is yourself. It's the greatest gift you'll receive and the greatest gift you could ever give is to receive Jesus and give Jesus yourself. And in this Christmas season, my, as we focus on the tinsel and the lights and the presents and the gifts and the food and all the beautiful things that come with this Christian, may we not lose focus that Jesus still is the reason for the season and that he came as his greatest gift to give you his life, hope, joy, and peace. And in return, he wants all of you. Can we just pray? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. 
We thank you, Lord, that you love us as we are, but love us too much to leave us the way we are. And so you came down into our darkness. You came down into our brokenness as the light of the world. We thank you, Lord, that whoever follows you, God, you, you, and acknowledges you as Lord, you give us the hope of eternal life, Lord, that, that we are reconciled in relationship with the Father. Thank you for this gift that not only changes our present, but changes our eternity. And so, God, tonight, whether it's just another reminder or whether even it's even for the first time, God, we are choosing to acknowledge you as Lord. Maybe you're in this place and you've never, ever made that commitment to make Jesus the Lord of your life tonight before you leave. I want to give you that opportunity. I don't want you to leave wondering and questioning and doubting whether or not you have, there's a place for you in heaven, whether or not Jesus loves you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and he just looks, he's looking for your love in return. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm ready to make that commitment to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Romans tells us, right, if you confess and we believe that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so today, before we leave, I want to just lead you into this simple prayer that acknowledges Jesus as Lord of your life. And if you're feeling that nudge, if you're feeling a tug on your heart, I'm just telling you that, that God is speaking to you that the Spirit of God is speaking to you in this place. And if he's tugging on your heart to say, listen, would you not give me yourself? Give, I've given you everything. Will you not give me all of your life? And if you feel that tug in your heart, I'm going to say this prayer. And I want to encourage you just to say it after me. And again, it's not about the prayer, but it's about the posture of your heart. And as we say this, I also want to say this. You can just repeat this to yourself and say this in your own heart. It's your commitment to him. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth to pay for my sins. Today, because of your, because you gave me everything, I am going to give everything to you. I surrender completely to you. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me for going on my own. Today, I'm turning around and going towards you. And now let's make this declaration. Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again today. I put my faith in you. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for saving me and setting me free. Amen. Well, I hope that message was an encouragement to you today. I want to challenge you to stay tuned and take a listen to Sunday Encore, where we have a more candid conversation about the practical application of Sunday's message.